For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 115. Hi, I'm Lewis Schiff, author of Business Brilliant, Surprising Lessons from the Greatest Self-Made Business Icons. There's always a surprising lesson in this show, and sometimes it's even intentional. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend, Jeff Brown. So even before you select a business idea, you should know what is it about you, your history, what it is that makes you click, what's going to work for you, what keeps you motivated. When you know those things, then you can apply that. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Hello, and welcome once again to the podcast dedicated to your personal and your professional growth. Leadership, of course, central to our discussion each and every week. But we dig into related topics as well from time to time, including things like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, and entrepreneurship. If you're stuck at a place where you think you've got a decent idea for a business or a service or a product, but you are a little concerned about spending the time and money necessary to validate the idea, well, then today's episode is definitely for you. We get to learn from Mr. Pat Flynn, who is the author of Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time or Money. And I plan to ask Pat why being able to execute on an idea for many seems to be the exception and not the rule. I'm curious to know about his obsession with mind mapping and why he finds the process so useful. I'll ask Pat to share an overview of his process for researching people, places, and products, and much, much more. If you are hearing this before the end of February 2016 and are in or near the Tampa, Florida area, I'd love to have the chance uh, to meet you. I'll be there speaking at a conference between the 24th and the 28th of February. And we'd just love to hook up with you for coffee or lunch or maybe dinner. Or maybe if there's enough interest, we could even do a meetup with a group of people. If you're interested in a chance to get together, you can reach out to me, Jeff at Read to Lead Podcast. That's Jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, after losing his job as an architect in 2008 as the U.S. economy struggled, Pat Flynn turned to the Internet for a possible new career path. And in the months and years that followed, learning all he could about being an online entrepreneur, Pat launched the Smart Passive Income blog and podcast as a way to teach and inspire others who craved the same freedoms he'd come to enjoy. Those platforms have enabled him to do work he loves, helping other passionate entrepreneurs build and grow successful online businesses. Like me, Pat says that being let go was the best thing to ever happen to him. Pat first appeared on Read to Lead to talk about his first book, Let Go. Pat is also the author of Will It Fly? How to Test Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. And it is a delight to have him back on Read to Lead. Pat, welcome to the show. 
Oh, so happy to be back, Jeff. Thanks for having me. And I should publicly thank you for your first appearance on the show, which, by the way, if you haven't checked it out, is episode seven, readtolepodcast.com slash 007. And I want to thank you for, for doing that in large part because you, know, you said yes uh, to a show that hadn't yet launched back in 2013. And you know you're one of those those early guests, and and I just so appreciated your willingness to to come and talk on a show that hadn't proven itself yet. So so, so thank you. Oh well, I mean, look at you now. We're up at uh, what is this episode 115? <laughs> so congratulations to you. I mean, I try to do that as much as I can for mm. people who have starting podcasts, but it's just become somewhat impossible now because a lot of people are asking me and I have other things going on too. But, you know, every once in a while I come across a person who is just obvious that this person knows what they're doing. They have passion for mm. uh, the podcast that they're going to be doing. And so, you know, I, I read that in you and I, uh, I, I'm glad to say and see that that was actually true because you're doing amazing things. You have an amazing tribe. I've, I've been there with you and your tribe at, at different conferences and uh, you're doing an amazing job. So again, I'm just honored to be here back on your show. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And as I told you uh, back in uh, August, I think it was a podcast movement. If we uh, can't win Best Business Podcast, then who better to lose to than, oh. than Pat Flynn? Well, thank you for that. I mean, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough category. I mean, all around, everybody's, everybody's great. But I'm looking forward to seeing you again there this year. Absolutely. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Well, I know this, this book has, has been a labor of love. You've been working on it for a long time. And so I wanted to first ask you, Pat, why did you feel like this book had to be written and, and why now? Well, there are a number of points in my recent history with SPI and, and diving into my community and what their issues were that this theme of just people struggling with the time that they have and using it efficiently on things that they know or didn't know was going to work out. And quite honestly, the, the, the time where I knew this was the book that I was supposed to write was, you know, I have a show called Ask Pat in addition, in addition to my other podcast. Mm. Um, and I answer questions five days a week. They're voicemail questions from the audience, which is great because I get to hear from my own audience's voice what they're struggling with. But as a cool byproduct, I'm, I'm literally, literally getting dozens of questions a day from my audience and I can survey them through this method. Uh, it's almost self-driven. And by far the number one question that people had was, well, how do I know if this thing I'm working on is actually worth my time and money. And uh, it was for people who hadn't started yet, who wanted to make sure they were picking something and going in the right direction. And it was also people who had already started, but were kind of stuck and not sure if they should keep going because they had yet to see results. And that's always a huge struggle. And I actually tried to answer that question the first time I came across a question like it on Ask Pat. But to do that in 10 to 15 minutes, mm. uh, it was very clear to me that that was not going to be enough time. So I actually sat down to record at that very same moment mm -hmm. a complete episode of the Smart Passive Income podcast. And even then, it was just such a huge topic. And even though I know a lot of people have talked about validation in the past and have scraped the surface with it, it, it just seemed to be, as I was going deeper into it, um, a, a much bigger topic than I had thought and um, one that if I knew I could figure out and solve for people would be a big game changer. Uh, and then it was confirmed again that this was a big topic on people's minds when I ran a survey last year on my, on my blog and uh, by far this was again the number one issue people were having that were stopping them from moving forward or they felt like finding success. Mm. And that brings us to one of my favorite early quotes from the book, uh, the line where you say experimentation will illuminate truth. Uh, and it, it, I love it because it sort of makes me conjure up in my mind uh, an image of like Thomas Edison working, you know, by candlelight late at night on his next invention. <laughs> totally, totally. Not a thousand, not 10,000 failures, but just 10,000 ways that didn't work. Yet. Yeah. And so, so is that in essence what you mean by that in this context? 
Yes, but I don't mean necessarily taking 10,000 stabs at something <laughs> and, and then figuring out one that finally works. It's right. essentially taking a little bit of time up front to understand in a small, small controlled uh, environment um, using a sample size of your target audience to determine what the reaction might be before you then go and build that thing. Uh, it's, it's very similar to, and I talk about this in the book, Mythbusters, how they use the scientific method to run experiments to reveal the truth behind certain myths that people say. Uh, and it is through that experimentation that the truth does get revealed. And so it's the same way with your businesses. You can run these small controlled scale tests and see what the reaction is going to be like. And uh, you can move forward from there based on the data that you collect instead of just kind of guessing your way along. Are you familiar with uh, Jay Samet, the author of Disrupt You? No, I've heard that book and you're not the first person to to, to ask me that question. So I'm guessing that's, that should be a book I should read. <laughs> well, he and I were talking, I bring it up because he and I were talking a couple of months ago about uh, just this, this idea of knowledge and how knowledge is no longer enough. And, and those who are really sought after today, those making a difference are those who are taking action. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you say in your book, uh, those folks are in the minority. They're the exception and, and not the rule. I'm curious to know why you think that is. I mean, there's a number of different reasons. I mean, a lot of people know what they need to do, but they don't necessarily take the action for a number of different fears is really what it, mm. what it comes down to. But those fears, you know, kind of range. Uh, some fear failure specifically, some fear letting people down, uh, some fear success. Uh, but whatever the case may be, it just is there's always a reason, many reasons to not do something. And you know, a lot of times people don't don't have that urge as well, even though they want to, for example, start a new business and, and, and they feel pain with where they're at now. That's they're, the, the, the pain with failing is much greater in their minds than just sticking where they're at. So a lot of people feel complacent or don't want to take the risks. And, you know, accountability is another part of it. They, mm-hmm. they don't have somebody who can guide them along the way. They're kind of on it, doing it on their own, which is often very tough and almost impossible sometimes. So, you know, that's, that's kind of why I wrote the book too, to be that companion, to be that flight manual to help people through the process. I love the, the whole analogy you walk us through during the course of the book. Uh, I found that uh, made for a fun read uh, in addition to, you know, a, a thoughtful and a thought provoking read. I was wor- a little bit worried when I discovered this great analogy of, of sort of, you know, flying and, and flight and, you know, launching is obviously just part of it. You know, it's flight. Does it actually continue going after mm-hmm. you launch? Uh, and I knew I could go way overboard with that analogy. <laughs> there was, I, I probably took out a lot, which was good because there's, you could definitely insert it in almost every sentence if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of us are familiar with the phrase uh, unique selling proposition or USP and how important that is for a business to identify its own. Uh, but Pat says that, that having and identifying an unfair advantage is even better. So, Pat, how does unfair advantage differ from a USP and, and why do you feel that's so important? Yeah, so the USP is what makes a particular business or product different than all the other products out there. But even more important is the person behind the product. And it is what you have inside you that other people in the same space that you're in don't have that should be that thing that you should milk that that is your unfair advantage and there's a number of different examples that I've learned over time through interviews on my own show where people have used their unfair advantages to their advantage in a very unique uh, way and it's cool because you don't necessarily need to be better 
than the competition to be more successful. You just have to be different. As Sally Hogsfield says, or Sally Hogshead says, different is better than better. Hmm. And I love that because you have, but, but the trick is you have to find out what makes you different and understanding almost your superpower is really what it is, mm. uh, is really going to help you move forward in whatever venture that you do. So even before you s- select a business idea, you should know what is it about you, your history, what it is that makes you click, what's going to work for you, what keeps you motivated. When you know those things, then you can apply that to whatever else you end up doing. And then also what what you find that is different about you that is different than everybody else, uh, that's, that's going to be what you should incorporate and make public so people can understand that too and a lot of times it's hard to figure out what your superpower is because we you know it's it's it all is based on you know perception and the exercise i have a lot of people do in the book is they actually you you go out and you ask people other people Mm -hmm. what they think your superpower is and that's you know when running these exercises in the book with a lot of people that that's one that actually a lot of people struggle with the most because they're afraid to ask others what they feel is unique to them because they don't want to feel cocky you know and i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people worry about that but i think in context of actually trying to become a better person to provide value in a new business venture you know people are more than happy to tell you what makes you you and in this world, as Chris Ducker says, you know, you is what you have for your advantage. Nobody else is like you. That's how you stay 100% original. But it, you can't do that unless you know what makes you you. And that is where your unfair advantage comes in. We, we run in some of the same circles. And I, I've seen uh, some Facebook posts crop up with folks asking that, that very question to others. What, what, do you, what do you see as my, my superpower? Then I was reading the book and I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. It's from Pat's book. <laughs> yeah, I just did an interview with Mike Kim and he had asked that question to his audience and he had me on, on his show to help promote the book too, which was awesome. And he was telling me about when he was running this experiment uh, and, and asking his own audience to tell him what they felt he was good at. It was, it was not what he expected, mm. but it provided so much clarity for him. And I think this is a cool exercise that anybody listening to this right now uh, could do. Well, to the extent uh, you can, Pat, without visual aids, describe uh, our mutual fascination, actually, uh, your, your fascination with mind mapping and, and why you find that to be so useful. I thought you were going to say my fascination with Back to the Future. <laughs> well, there's that up. too. <laughs> um, but no, with mind mapping, mind mapping is so powerful. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's a way for you to write down and visualize those ideas that are in your head. And, you know, our brain, it does a really good job of coming up with ideas, mm. but it doesn't do a very good job of recording everything for one, but more importantly, uh, putting order to those ideas and mind mapping using something like post-it notes. And there's, of course, a lot of software that allows you to do this as well. It allows you to organize those thoughts and group them together, create hierarchies in a way that can help shape and form whatever it is that you're trying to to get. So, you know, I used a mind map, for example, when coming up with the book and the content inside of it. And the first step is usually you just, you know, throw up every idea you have onto the onto your post-it notes and you just have this sea of post-it notes and then you <laughs> can pick them up and organize them and group them together and if you're writing a book for example those you'll start to see where the chapters are being formed and the sub chapters or sub sections within those chapters and then you could put them in order and then all of a sudden you have this outline and then this this essentially a to-do list for how to write this book you just take it one chapter at a time one section at a time within those chapters and so it's it's so powerful because it just simply helps you organize all those great thoughts that you have that um you know your brain just doesn't have the ability to to organize on the fly 
I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of MindMeister, as I know you are. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was you who introduced me to the post-it note version of that. I think it was in uh, one of your SPI TV episodes. Yeah, episode one, actually. I think they owe me like some affiliate <laughs> commissions or something because I, I, I everybody's like, oh, for, because of you, I use post-it notes now. But No, I'm just kidding. But um, it is so powerful, though. I, do, do you feel the same way? I do. And in fact, I, I, I've begun to lean on on that version of mind mapping more so than the, the software. Uh, I, I just think there's a power to putting a, a pen to paper personally. Totally. And plus, it's so small. I mean, I, I actually love using the smaller ones. You know, they come in different sizes. Mm-hmm. I like the smaller ones because you're forced to just put the main point <laughs> there. Yeah. And because I know sometimes with the larger post-it notes, you could still write a bunch of stuff on it. But, <laughs> right. you, just, you know, you just wanted it to be quick and easy. Well, I, we can only scratch the surface in regard to the time you spend in the book on, on places, people and, and products. But as best you can, uh, Pat, give us give us a bird's eye view of what researching these areas looks like. Yeah. So Jeff's talking about the market map where you discover the three P's of your audience, the places, the people and the products. And when you do that, you sort of get a nice glance of things that are happening in this industry, who the top players are, who's selling what, what are they going for, where people in that target audience exist. And, you know, just very quickly, no matter what stage in your business you're at, if you haven't done this already, it can be such a huge eye opener because then you get a feel for where you actually fit on top of that or within that map and you can start to claim your own territory. That's uh, the kind of analogy you want to use. This is a map and you're, you're going to find the position that works for you mm. in that space. So when it comes to actually researching, um, you know, there's a lot of technical things involved with that, but I try to make it fun and I hold your hand along the way. I, I actually do these exercises with you all along the way in the book. Which I love. Uh, thank you. And, and I found rather fun to actually do that. And that was actually one of my pet peeves when I read books and people tell me to do exercises. I don't <laughs> know if they did them themselves or I don't know if they just plopped them on to, you know, have me sit in the middle of a mall. <laughs> I don't know if that's a reference to for our work week. But um, anyway, uh, it, it's it's such a cool exercise to do. And it allows you to start to fit yourself into that space in a way that's going to help you stand out from the crowd. Because you know, you always hear that, like, stand out of the crowd. Well, how do you know how to stand out if you don't know what's in that crowd? And that's mm. essentially what that exercise does for you. Um, and you often you know, learn a lot more about the, the market in general and whole. You learn a lot more than the people who are in it because they're just so involved in their own little space. Mm. Describe the concept of having uh, a customer plan. You use this acronym, P-L-A-N, and, and what specifically that is designed to help us do. Yeah, so the customer plan, P-L-A-N, that acronym stands for uh, problems, language, anecdotes, and then the needs. And so this is sort of a, um, a different way to approach understanding who your target customer is. And the traditional approach is to come up with an avatar. And you've likely heard this before mm-hmm. you, or, or you've heard exercises like it where you sort of make up this person and they become your ideal customer. They, they, they're, they're the right age. They have a story behind them. You might even give them a name. And, and that's cool. But, you know, every time I've tried to do that exercise on my own, I, I never fully got everything I thought I was going to get out of it because just in the back of my mind, I always know that this person is sort of made up. And uh, because of that, you can't really feel for this made up person. And, and one of the most important things to do when you're starting a business and trying to serve an audience is you want to feel like 
feel the emotions and, and, and really get inside the heads of who your audience is. And, you know, if this person who you make up is there and you can't ask them any questions, well, it's kind of useless, I think. I mean, there are benefits to doing that, obviously, because you don't just want to target everybody and it's good to narrow down. But I came up with this thing called the customer plan using these acronyms. So the first acronym is through conversations, through interactions, and even uh, non-quite interactive things like surveys. Uh, you can also do research online through forums and blogs. You can understand and start to list out what the problems are mm-hmm. that your target audience has. But more importantly, not just what the problems are, but the second letter, L, the language that they use to describe those problems. Because it is only when you understand the language they use that they can understand that you know what they're going through, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There's a very famous quote by Jay Abraham. Uh, and that is, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they will automatically assume that you have the solution. Mm. This is why Taylor Swift fans are go crazy for her because <laughs> they she speaks their language. You know, sitting in by the bleachers, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is like stuff <laughs> that high school people can all relate to, right? right. Um, and so, you know, understanding the language is really important. So, again, the, the P, the L, the A, the N, you're actually making a spreadsheet of all these things. Then the A, which is my favorite part, are the anecdotes. Those are, those are the stories that you are able to take out from real life experiences that people have in that target audience. So it's not just about the problem, but what what is the story around that problem? And there's a lot of different ways to find that uh, through conversations actually. And one of the coolest, uh, if, you, if any of you have a podcast, for example, and you want to get a story out of somebody, I learned this from uh, Alex Bloomberg who, who was doing a creative live uh, session mm. once about storytelling. He said, if you want to get a story out of somebody, just ask them this simple question. Tell me about a time when blank. <laughs> and they're just going to open up and it's like, it's not a yes or no question. And you know it's not always good to ask a yes or no question, but when you set it up with, tell me about a time when blank, it kind of puts them in that storytelling mode. And that's where all the emotions come out. That's where you get deep into the psyche of whoever it is that you're speaking. And of course, we as human beings, we love to listen to stories. We're read stories when we're babies and, and we're just sort of tuned to listen in that kind of way. Uh, so when you understand the stories of your audience, uh, you get to you get to put yourself in their shoes essentially, and that's that's what's most important. From there, you then uh, can find and determine what their needs are, which is what you're going to build your solution for. And uh, this, I feel, is a much better, more concrete way to find out what the problems are and how to best serve your audience. There's been a, a lot of talk uh, in recent years of um, you know pursuing your passion and, and the money will follow. But more and more recently, the focus has really been, and, and you place it, I think, rightly so, on identifying what the needs are versus what you yourself are passionate about. It's possible to marry those two, right? But totally. the need oh. is more important. Yeah, I mean, you can succeed with your passion, but that passion has to help solve other people's problems. Mm. And that's where the marriage comes from. Uh and there's all there also has to be the other side of it too, where you know you need to have passion for the problems that you're solving. So if you start with the problem, you can then select the ones that you feel like you would have the most passion uh, to, to, to solve. Because, you know, like I talked about a lot in the beginning of the book, you know, which actually part one is all about determining whether or not this idea fits you and complements mm-hmm. your strengths and actually is one that fits in your plan. Um, I know a lot of successful entrepreneurs who are very, very successful on paper in terms of customers and money and fame and that sort of thing, but they're not fulfilled. They're not happy because they're not successful uh, parents or they're not successful spouses and they kind of they're up the, uh, the top of a ladder but n- not necessarily the right ladder or they didn't build their business in a way that would allow them to also enjoy other parts of their life so that that's where that's that's why that's really important to me 
Well, I, I want uh, to tackle uh, some topics not directly uh, related to the book in the few minutes that we have left, Pat. But before I, I shift gears, I, I want to make sure there isn't anything else from the book you want to make sure we know. I mean, I, I'd be happy to sit here for hours and talk about the whole book. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys who are like, oh, like, let's not share that because I want you to buy my book. Like, I feel like if the book's good enough, even if I reveal everything, you're going to want to get it. But I think, you know, really one of the most important parts of the book is this, this idea of the flight simulator. That's, mm. you know, part four, uh, which is where you're actually putting your ideas to the test. And when it comes to validation, I think a very, um, th- a very important thing to know is that what people say and what people do are often very different. You can just ask my mom because I would always say I would clean my room and I never <laughs> did. Um, so, you know, she taught me a big lesson about, you know, seeing is believing. And, you know, when it comes to validation, even if you were to talk to people, which is what I kind of ask you to do in the book, you want to interact with people. It's very different than how validation used to be done, which mm-hmm. is where you kind of set up a landing page. You kind of pretend that product or business exists and you get people to click on a buy now button and that's how you gauge. No, this is more interactive you're you're being honest about the fact that you you are kind of validating this idea you want to collect a certain number of pre-orders before you actually build it and you're Mm. honest about that but it's important to collect those payments and it's not about how much money you make it's about whether or not somebody can actually vote with their money Mm. to help you figure out yes this is actually something people would actually pay for because sometimes when you share your ideas with others they get really excited about it even if you ask them would you pay for this if i had it And they might say yes, because that's what you want to hear. They might be excited at that time. But when push comes to shove, you need to know if when you're asking for a payment, will they actually pay? So the only way to know is you actually do that. And if you collect a certain amount of uh, people who pre-order, and I show you the equations on how to figure out how many people you need and whatnot in the book, Mm. then you know, and you're going to have that confidence. You're going to have that motivation moving forward um, and, and, and have a few people who are going to be there in the beginning to help you shape this product into what it needs to become. There's no guessing anymore. This is where you go and actually know what you need to do, and you're connecting with the right people to make that happen. Well, as I read the book, I think more, and I'm, I'm being sincere when I say this, uh, more than, than any book I've read in recent memory, I feel like I'm having a conversation with a friend, which I would venture to guess that's exactly what you were going for. That is. you know, That's what people have told me about uh, reading my blog and, and listening to my podcast, and I really wanted to make sure that that was a part of the book, too. And it, the interesting thing was it, it wasn't always like that. I remember struggling very much in the first six months of writing because I was trying to be like somebody else. I was literally trying to be like Malcolm Gladwell, who is one of my favorite authors. <laughs> yeah. I love his books and I wanted my book to be as great as his. Mm. And so what I would do is actually for the first few months, I was doing research. I was going and reading all these dense papers and studies from different colleges and psychologists and that sort of thing, because I knew that that's where I could potentially find some really cool data to prove a lot of these validation facts and that sort of thing. And I was struggling. And even when I had some stuff that I could share and I was writing it, it just didn't sound like me. And it wasn't until a number of people, people in my mastermind group, Chris Ducker, uh, my uh, book writing coach, when they told me that this just didn't sound like me, it finally clicked. And I just Mm. knew that I just had to write like me. And once I learned that, 
it was so much easier to write. The content just started to flow and I just didn't worry about being like somebody else. I didn't worry about adding words that were beyond my vocabulary. I just spoke <laughs> from my own brain and wrote it down and that's that's what you have in this book. So I appreciate you saying that. That, that means a lot, Jeff. Well, certainly uh, mission accomplished. Not that you need me to validate that for you, but uh, uh, <laughs> certainly the uh, I, I felt that way as I, as I read through it. Uh, I think I know at least one of your answers to this next question because you've mentioned it a number of Back times. It's <laughs> always the answer. That's always the answer. <laughs> I'm thinking in terms of books. I've seen you mention in blog posts and, and elsewhere, and, and mm-hmm. maybe even the latest episode of SPI TV may include one of the co-authors. But wondering if you could name for us uh, the books in the last couple of years that you keep going back to again and again that have had a had a huge wow. impact on you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by far, it is uh, the first one that comes to mind, and the one I, I believe you're referencing is the One Thing yeah. by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. I was uh, very fortunate enough to start to develop a relationship with Jay and talk to him and he actually helped contributed a lot to the book he wrote the foreword to the book as well and uh, I got to interview him and so that that's that's really cool um, another book that's been very influential is ask by Ryan Levesque. Uh, his last name isn't spelled how it sounds it's l e v e s q u e pronounced Levesque. And uh, that book was the start of a lot of things that are happening on Smart Passive Income mm. as well in relation to how I, how I could better serve my audience because it is a book about how to ask the right questions to figure out what to do next. Um, similar in, in that sense of, you know, you're asking questions and working, you know, hard first before you put the work in, similar to my book. But, the, but this is, you know, if you have not yet done a sur- survey with your audience, or even if you have, you you need to pick up Ask because it's it's a huge book. Uh, to, I mean, not huge in terms of pages, but huge in terms of what it could do for your brand. Um, and then you know, I am, I'm always getting inspiration from a lot of other. Uh, friends in, in, in our space who are writing books. So there's not one book in particular beyond those two though, that I keep referencing, keep opening back up. But I'm very inspired by people like Michael Hyatt mm-hmm. and Chris Gullibo, uh and, and Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, who's, who are all coming out with books soon. And I'm just, um, you know, very glad to, you know, join the ranks of, of authors. And, you know, I'm excited to see how, uh, if I could say, how high this book will fly. <laughs> Yes, you can. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I had a chance to uh, to talk with Ryan uh, Levesque a while back, uh, not long after he released Ask and, and mm-hmm. implemented um, uh, much of what he talks about in a survey I sent out uh, to my listeners in November, eye-opening. I mean, it was the yeah. single best thing I've ever done thus far in the life of this show and, and understanding and wrapping my head around what, what people need, what they need from me specifically. Love it. I, b- I believe the ability to effectively share your ideas in public – plays a major role in, in a person's level of success. If you've never had the chance to see Pat give a public talk, you need to find out whatever the next conference is and get there. I've the last year had two chances to hear you speak, Pat, uh, Podcast Movement and the New Media Expo. Mm-hmm. And the uh, short film uh, prior to you taking the stage, coupled with uh, entering uh, the room in a DeLorean, uh, uh, and I think this was called. Was it Back to the Future again? Was that the name of the uh, the talk? That, that was the name of the uh, short film the short that film. I filmed there. Okay. The talk was how uh, to future proof your brand. That's it. That's it. And I just you know talk about the wow factor making an entrance. Um, you're, you obviously take very seriously. Uh, these talks and and want to leave people with as much value as you possibly can. And I just curious to know what some of uh, what the tips are you might share in the, in the process you go through in delivering an impactful and memorable public talk. 
I mean, the number one tip I have is, is I ask myself the question, what is the transformation I want my audience to have? I mean, I, you know, obviously with whatever content you share in any format that you share it, you want to know what's the, what's its purpose. But the reason I think of transformation is because it's not purpose about you. It's about purpose about how you're making a change with your audience. So that's first and foremost, the, the number one thing I think about. And then I work backwards from there trying to include the right stories, case studies, examples that will help support and make that transformation happen. And then on top of that, sort of working backwards one more time, looking at the the, the talk in whole, I try to add an element to it that would make it memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's, you know, the wow factor in that way that I did with the Back to the Future thing, which was, you know, part because I knew it would make a big impact and be remembered, but also part because it's just been a lifelong dream of mine to be in a DeLorean. So that was, you know, <laughs> two a two for one there. Right. Um, but, you know, the podcast movement, that wasn't anything sort of grandiose, but I, w- I was talking about fear and the voice in your head. So I actually, you know, stepped out of the box and tried to do something unique and different to, to, to make it memorable, but also really punch in that 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 message and I actually had a conversation with myself with a voiceover <laughs> on stage and it kind of just got into what a lot of people go through on the daily and just kind of exposed that and, and made that real um, and, and a little funny and dramatic at the same time too I think that's the other thing is that I'm just not afraid to try new things I think a lot of people see how other people speak and they they, they see something that might impact them and they try to be exactly like them well you got to inject a little bit of you in there, like we talked about earlier, and that that's, uh, you know, you is what makes you most memorable. So, uh, you know, th- those are some quick tips that I have in terms of speaking. But then there's, of course, a lot of the small details as well, which I do focus on. I've gotten coaching for speaking before, but more than that, I go into every presentation thinking of one or two small things that I really want to make sure I work on, whether it's how my pacing is, where I stand and when in the presentation, my timing of the punchlines, where my hands go and that sort of thing. So I think about the small details because even though nobody's like, oh, look at Pat's hands, they're great. <laughs> they, it's, it's a part of the overall package, you know, and, and so I keep those things in mind too. And, um, you know, those small things, when, when they're done nicely, they all add up, even though people, even though people can't really pinpoint what those things are. Mm. Uh, that to me speaks to uh, what Michael Port talks about, and I'm in complete agreement with him on this, is, is rehearsed to the point of, of mastery. It sounds like that's very much a part of the process for you. Exactly. Yeah. Steal the Show is a great book. Mm. And, you know, Michael Port's fantastic. I've gotten a lot of inspiration from him, too. I I took part in his heroic public speaking course and uh, picked up a lot from him, too. Well, it may be too uh, early to ask this uh, since the book is is just coming out now. Uh, But I'd be curious to know, Pat, what's what's next for you, if you know what that is? What are you and your team working on now that that you're excited about? Okay, so. The text version of the book is out. I've had a lot of people ask me about the audio version, and that's mm. something I'm really excited about because when you create an audio version of a book, it doesn't necessarily be have to be a read-through word-for-word word specifically. You can have a lot of freedom mm. with what that audio becomes. And you know, coming from the podcasting world and having experience with that, you also have the ability to bring guests on too into your audiobook, which will <laughs> add another flavor to it too. Mm. So I think it'll be a, a fun project that I can work on that all – you know, not only be really cool for people who listen uh, to the book for the first time, but even those who pick pick up the text version might want to get access to it too. And it'll, it'll just add another element on top of what they're already getting. Um, you know, I'm always trying to provide new, fun, different ways to consume content. So that's the the next thing in line. After that, you're going to see me working potentially with some publishers in a kind of new way that uh, a lot of authors haven't worked with before to get my self-published book. This is a self-published book mm. to get it distributed in bookstores, which is something I know a lot of people um, is a pain point for a lot of people in their decision to go 
self-publish or traditional. And so I'm going to try and break down those barriers and see if I can help out people along the way too. Uh, beyond that, there's a new redesign of the Smart Passive Income blog coming very much influenced by the questions that I got and uh, the answers I got from the questions in, in my survey, thanks to Ask and Rand Levec, uh, and a lot of conversations I had with people about the web experience. And on top of that, I have a course coming out later this year too um, and a lot of other fun little uh, events that I'll be speaking at. And uh, so, so that's what's on the docket for now. Well, I look forward to every bit of it, and, and there's there's easily no more likable a guy in the online marketing space uh, than than Pat Flynn. Pat, thanks again for for taking time to be a part of this and uh, for doing so again. Like I said earlier, so long ago uh, when uh, this podcast was just a little engine that could. I really appreciate it. I mean, no problem. I mean, I think this speaks to the fact that, you know, you got to give everybody a chance sometimes and, you know, you never know. So, Jeff, you've done an amazing job. Your audience is fantastic. And if anybody uh, who is listening out there ever sees me at an event, uh, just say hi to me. We'll hang out, grab a coffee, whatever. We'll hang out. Whether it's the books we talked about, the apps or Pat's own properties on the web, you can find all of them conveniently listed on the show notes page for this episode. You'll find that at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 115 for episode 115. I encourage you to connect with Pat and let him know what you thought about the show. He's at Pat Flynn on Twitter. That's at Pat, F-L-Y-N-N, on Twitter. If you found value in today's episode, I'd love it if you would consider rating and reviewing the podcast on either Stitcher or in iTunes. To rate and review the podcast in Stitcher, it's readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher or in iTunes, readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. We love five-star ratings and reviews, by the way, in case you did not know that. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.